When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today we're going to discuss the Eagles playoff matchup against the Bucks, what we can learn about Nick Sirianni's whirlwind first year, and the great Howie Roseman debate continues. Chris, how you doing today? Not too bad, man. Playoff week and we're here for another uh, get to see the... Uh... Get to see Tom Brady again and these guys in the Buccaneers again. It's, it's going to be an interesting match, that's for sure. How are you doing? I'm well, man. I can complain. Um, you know, I think the Howie Roseman debate is absolutely settled now after this past weekend. <laughs> the Eagles clinched, or the past, you know, eight days or whatever. Howie Roseman and the Eagles clinch a playoff berth. Last week, they sit all their starters in a meaningless game against the Cowboys. Oh, and by the way, Carson Wentz and the Colts completely choke against the last place Jaguars, something none of us could foresee happening. And oh, by the way, the Eagles have a two top 16 picks uh, because of the Dolphins and the Colts. Now, the Dolphins just fired head coach Brian Flores instead of Chris Greer, the guy who traded... Uh, a top 12 and a top 15 pick for Jalen Waddle, who is awesome, but not worth two top 15 picks. Then you got the Colts who, you know, Frank Wright gets all, all the credit for the offensive play calling in the Super Bowl. Well, he's now nine and eight on the season, not going to the playoffs. Carson Wentz cost him a first round pick for next year. And they really could have used that 16th overall pick to enhance the roster. Meanwhile, Wentz had one of the worst games of his career against the Jaguars. Really back-to-back performances that were pretty troublesome. Um, And there's some heat in Indy uh, via the media and fan base about Carson Wentz's future. So, Howard Roseman's coming out looking pretty great, if I do say so myself. Um, the Eagles are in the playoffs. They're playing with house money. No one expected them to be here. Oh, and on top of that, in a couple of months, they get three first round picks. Their, their dead money cap hit 
for Carson Wentz has cleared off the books completely. They're doing pretty okay. Uh, oh, and by the way, the guy who drafted Justin Jefferson and laughed in the draft room after Howie Roseman and the Eagles drafted Jalen Rager just was let go. Uh, Rick Spielman, the Vikings GM, after over a decade in office, was fired two years after drafting Justin Jefferson, which apparently is not repellent for any sort of heat uh, after all. So is Mike Zinnermer, their head coach. Um, yeah, it's been a wild ride for Howie Roseman's stock. But Chris, how are you feeling about the debate still? I still very feel very strong about my uh, position on this one. I still think there are still things he has to work on and still things that still should be scrutinized. But overall, I mean, you, you can't deny that they were able to get the three first-round picks are looking good. You can't deny that. But you still have Howie Roseman still at the helm to decide which who's going to be the player selected. So if you look at – I think he, if you look at what he's done and with his first-round picks lately, there's a reason for concern. But at least given that they have three first-round picks, there's three chances that can at least hit on at least one of them. <laughs> it's like more more target prices. Like something has to hit once or at least, right? So I think that's where you hang hat on. I'm still worried about the uh the 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 evaluation process that he does. Is he gonna rely on his scouts and just not try to be the smartest person in the room when it comes to hey, let's I hope he's not there's a part, I think it's the uh, San Diego State punter who's doing well. I hope he's not thinking about, oh well, let's take a punter in the second round, something like that, just trying to be the smarter person in the room, stuff like that. So I hope that he hits for the Eagles' sake. I hope he hits on those uh, draft picks. But is right now, I still stand by my my, my uh, initial thing, saying that he's he's still in the middle of the pack general manager. You take the good, you take the bad, and then you have the facts of life. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my head. Um, oh, oh, oh gosh, the front off Eagles front office. Who's playing uh, Blair? Who's playing Tootie and all this stuff? Oh gosh, we know who's playing Tootie. Come on, we know. Uh, I don't know. Or, no, or, we don't. Do I, have, I have uh, not been. Jeffrey Lurie just go like Miss Gary. Uh, boys, boys, <laughs> boys, boys, stop fighting. Stop the infighting inside the uh, draft room. That'll be fun. <laughs> this went off onto a whole nother. That just went a very here. different Man, one. Whoa, <laughs> riding the wave. Anyway, speaking of riding the waves. That's what all the Eagles beat writers and all the beat writers in the league basically were doing if they cover a playoff team yesterday. I don't know about you, but yesterday felt like the longest day of football I've ever experienced in my life. I mean, it was long. And, you know, you're waiting for all these scenarios the Eagles are in, so you don't have to wait on that. But you have to wait to see, since they're a wildcard team, who they're going to play, when they're going to play, where they're going to play, et cetera. And, man, did the NFL take their sweet time. They milked the clock on this one. Um, the Eagles will end up facing the Tampa Bay Bucks on Sunday at 1. I guess that was the payoff for dealing with all this because, well, I saw some some fans get frustrated that it was a 1 o'clock game. From a beat writer perspective, it's, a, it's great because, one, you wake up in the morning, you've got a normal schedule, you cover the game, maybe you get a coffee beforehand, an iced coffee preferably. Then you cover the game, you do the post game, and then it's like 7 o'clock and you've already written a bunch of stuff and then you write for the morning and then you can get a late dinner uh, before you head out in the morning. Because here's the thing, in the playoffs, 
if if the team loses, they might have clear out day the next day, and that can be early in the morning. It could be two days from then. You never know. So you got to book it on like a you know. And I think we're flying back. We're getting back around noon. Uh, under Doug Peterson, it used to be noon when they would do it. The Jaguars, since they used to do it all the time, I think it was around ten a.m. But uh, we're hoping it's later in the day for Nick Sirianni. Hey, I'm sure you guys on the other line are hoping that there isn't a clean out day for another month. But um, from our angle, I think it, it worked out well. What do you think of the time, uh, Chris, for your first playoff game? Well, I think it's actually I think if you look at it from a, a team and, and player standpoint, I think they benefited well. The 1 p.m. works out well for them. And the fact that it gives them a sense that they can do their regular routines and regular stuff they were used to doing throughout the whole entire season. I mean, if the NFL had, uh, I think there may have been a ride in Overcare Center. If the NFL had made made them play again on a Saturday night, <laughs> or another short, or, or on even though they would have been a full rest, but if they played another Saturday night, another non traditional pro football night, I think that would have gone weird. And I think to have them on Monday night, I don't know if this game would have drew. I think they, I think the NFL, as a person, I think they would have loved to have the Cowboys in that slot, but. I think the 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 other game is 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 also a good spot. But overall, I think when you just look at the routine, when you look at the regular preparation, I think they'll be settled in an extra day. So you can see, you can watch the other games that happen. In the first, they can get take time after doing the preparations, take time get some of these guys to get a feel for what playoff football is like. They can see it on TV. Then they can have a regular night's sleep do what they normally do on a Sunday afternoon and, and come out there refreshed. So and they get the extra day too. So overall, I think, uh, I think it's a benefit that they, they wound up on, on Sunday. So let's get into the news here um, of the day before they head into this game. The Eagles have placed J.J. Single Whiteside, Tyree Jackson, and Brett Toth on injured reserve and signed running back Jason Huntley from the practice squad to the active roster after how well he did um, on, <laughs> on Saturday. He was like one of the true standouts um, from a returner standpoint. Um, I think that's something that you need to consider in the playoffs, taking every big play that you can. Now they're down to four wide receivers. We saw J.J. Single-Whiteside suffered a, a, a finger injury. Um, he's now going to have surgery. Tyree Jackson tore his ACL. Brett Toth, I don't remember what exactly his injury was. Do you remember why, why he came off the field? It was some lower body. I want to say it was a knee. Uh, yeah, some, I, I want to say it was right. a knee that happened. So the Eagles have two open spots. They also released Mac, uh, McCrane and running back Carrion Johnson from the practice squad. Matt McCrane, will they, won't they, is the cutest thing I've ever seen. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where – um, she's very interesting. Very interesting. Well, at least we know he exists. We got to see him on the field pregame, so you know he's a he's a real person, not just some like a creative player, man, or something like that. Right. That's true. That's true. You saw him. I did not yeah. see him. I'm not going to take <laughs> full credit for that. So, um, I, I think when you consider their roster, I think they're in decent shape. I did a breakdown. You can check it on NJ.com. Uh, the Buccaneers are clearly the better team, but I think the Eagles have an advantage on the interior defensive line. I think they have an advantage even 
excuse me, at linebacker, because if Levante David, who's got a foot injury, doesn't play, I mean, Devin White has played horribly this year. Kevin Minter's not very good either. Um, I think they have an advantage at corner. On offense, I would say the offensive lines are a push. Uh, the Buccaneers and the Eagles probably have the two best offensive lines in football. It's kind of hard to kind of pick them apart. Um, and then, you know, you've got, um, you know, quarterback. Obviously, Tom Brady is going to take precedent over anyone. Uh, this, you know, shy of Aaron Rodgers. And, I, you know, running back, I think, is a bit of a push. But, Chris, talk to me about the things the Eagles need to do to win this game on Sunday. Well, the one thing they have to do is not shy away from what has gotten them to the air to this point, and that's running the ball. I mean, it's going to be tough. You got Indomitian Sue and Vita Vea manning the middle of that defense, Buccaneers defensive line, and it's tough to run against. I mean, I think it's believe uh, when it came to sharp football analysis, when you're looking at them trying to run on either side of the A gaps of Jason, like which will be where Jason Kelsey is, they they're only allowing two point three yards a run, which is really really good. But they do have a weakness. When you, if they were, if the Eagles were to follow Jordan Mailata and follow Landon Dickerson, the Bucks have given up seven point one yards per carry in that area. Seven point one. So just to, so the Eagles can't avoid running to the middle. They have to do it. They have to keep the Bucks defense defense honest in that aspect. But if they were to go ahead and just run to, run toward the edges with success, whether it be zone reach, whether it be designed outside zone runs, they can. They can have they can pick up some yards that way. They also, on the flip side, they have to find ways to get pressure on Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady's seen pretty much everything, every type of defense that he can possibly see about when it's twenty two years in the league. But the one thing that he does not do well, like any quarterback, is when you see pressure coming up the middle of the field, uh, right into your face, it, it speeds up that clock a little bit faster, and he has to move out and, and, and throw on some weird angles and uncomfortable. Now the Eagles won't be able. I don't think the Eagles will be able to get a ton of sacks against them. I don't, I, don't, I personally see if they get three, I think that's a very good day against this Bucks offensive line. But it's going to be one of those games where you want to see the defensive linemen get their hands up to affect the throwing lanes and try to block that as best as they can because they're not going to get there. But if they are able to throw their hands up, possibly get some deflections, which could lead to some turnovers, which could lead to other things happening. And, and I think that that's vital on there. And then finally, I think they just have to play within themselves. I mean, it's 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 a bigger stage for a lot of these younger guys. But when you look at when you look at the key positions, when you look at Jalen Hurts, when you look at Devonta Devonta Smith, when you look at Landon Dickerson, you have guys that have been in big spotlights beforehand. All of them with Alabama, so you know they they've seen they they they've seen the, been been on a big stage and play pressure football like they're going to experience now. Speed's going to be a little bit faster than what they saw in college, but playing the SEC is is, is kind of close to that. So they just do that's, – that's just three things I think off the top of my head that you can do right now. I think this game – they can the Eagles can stay in this game and hold it close. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I mostly agree. I think – look, I think the Eagles have to take advantage of the fact that they're considered the underdogs and they have nothing to lose. They've got to – you know, they've got to be strategic here. They've got to go for it on fourth down. They've got to take every opportunity they can. They've got to fight like underdogs. And I think if they do, and 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 they're multiple on offense, and the defense blitzes, they're going to be in good shape. Now, I think we should move into the adjustment part of this conversation and talk about Nick Sirianni's first year. Now, this was a guy who was lampooned for his first press conference, um, 
constantly badgered by fans, was thrown, uh, had flowers thrown at him, had a jersey laid in front of him, got some serious booing action. Um, but he's the only first-year head coach from the 2000 or 2021 um, hiring cycle that's in the playoffs. Uh, he's nine and eight. Nobody had a better record than him. He, uh, Brandon Staley, I believe tied his, uh, tied the nine and eight record with the chargers, but no one had more wins as a first year head coach this year than Nick Sirianni. Um, so I think there's a lot to be learned here about rushing to conclusions. And I think there's also a lot to learn about playing to your player strengths to his credit. What do you, what do you think about his first year, Chris? Well, I think the big, the first thing that I thought overall for what for what the expectations were given on him, especially I, like myself, thought it was going to be a seven win team. Some people on this podcast thought it'd be a nine win team. and may have hit it on the head. Flowers to that person, but I think when you look overall to what he's done, I thought he's done a good job considering what he had on the roster at first. I think he showed an ability to be malleable and and adjust. On the fly, when it came to there, I mean, the first thing—the first thing I really was impressed is he got buy-in from the veterans. I mean, it takes—it takes a lot of time, especially for guys that have been in the league 10, 11, 12 years, to get buy-in from them because you know they've seen a lot of coaches come and go, and so and, and, and they're skeptical at first. But they really truly bought into what he had to say, and you look at that. And you see the way this team has performed and you see the way this offense has evolved from being throw, throw, throw to, hey, you know what, let's go run first and and, and let everything else develop off of that shows that he's open to taking suggestions from his other coaches and from everybody else. So I thought that was key. And I think that's a key thing for a lot of coaches to do, because how many times have you seen so many head coaches, they come in with a name saying, hey, you know what? This is what I ran in college or this is what I ran as office coordinator or as head coach elsewhere. I'm not going to – I don't care. You guys are going to adjust to me. I'm not going to adjust to you. He's done the exact opposite, which is for some coaches will be a boost, a hit to their ego. And the fact that he was able to open up, he was able to accept that, see, take the criticism and adjust what he's done. I think that's just – it's a big job. And he's going to hey, – listen, the expectations are only going to go up from here. I wouldn't be surprised if next year – you're looking at expectations of potentially saying, hey, you know what? We want to see the NFC Championship game, stuff like that, especially with the roster and the three first-round picks. But overall, I, I, th- I think he's done a very, very good job. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of reporting in both directions on it. There's been a lot of chatter on both directions of it. But I think Nick's, uh, the success of this season has been Nick Sirianni's uh, ability to adapt as a teacher, his relationship with Jalen Hurts. And then I think, you know, his ability to listen to his coaching staff. I think he's really upped the responsibilities of Brian Johnson, Shane Steichen, uh, Kevin, or, uh, uh, Jeff Stoutland. Um, and I think on defense, he's given Jonathan Gannon a lot of cloud. And I think that's been beneficial down the stretch because I think players feel like he has their back and the coaches feel like he has their back and he they're respected. And I think that's really important when you're trying to build a roster, especially when you, you start the season uh, two and five. And I think they've laid a pretty good foundation, even if they get blown out against the Buccaneers. Like I, 
I had a buddy of mine uh, text me, if they get blown out by the Buccaneers after resting all their starters, they're going to get criticized heavily. I disagree. I think we all know kind of what the, the Cowboys game was. Um, I think they're playing with house money. It's similar to when the Eagles uh, made the playoffs in 2018. The double doink happened. They shouldn't have won that game. Um, they went against the Saints, and even Zach Ertz and, and Alshon Jeffrey said that they were playing with house money. That's what this kind of feels like. It's been a fun season. Um, I think this is a very likable team. But um, anyway, uh, Chris, as we head on out for your final thoughts, what are you most looking forward to about this trip to Tampa? Football aside. Oh, football aside, that's tough. You know, I've the last time I was down in that area was the Gasparilla Bowl. Back, uh, back in a, which wound up being a one of Jeff Collins's next to last season, back seeing the uh, in the old, in the Tampa Bay, the Tropicana Field, which for some reason it actually is not a bad venue to watch football. I, I'm shocked on that. So it'll be nice. I mean, I, I'm a lover of the cold weather. Love it that it's like, hey, you know what? It's, it's around 20 degrees, 20, 25 degrees. I, I love that. But you know, it wouldn't be nice, you know, to go back to a couple 60 degree days, you know, here and there, just to remind it, hey, that spring's on the way. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm I, and the thing I really want to see is I want to see how many Eagles, how many Eagles fans actually travel out, or the Eagles fans that live down there, how many actually go to Raymond James Stadium? Because I'm really curious to see what the ratio is going to be, how many people show up, because. I think it could be just just looking when we were we were talking earlier about booking and, and I was watching the prices change right before my eyes. I saw one price change about 200, 200 buck buck jump going for for a couple of flights. So I wouldn't be surprised if there, there's a lot of people that travel and it should be should make a make for an interesting atmosphere on a Sunday afternoon. What about you? What are you looking forward to? Well, I will tell you this. I have been to several uh, Eagles Bucks games in Tampa. They tra- Eagles fans travel extremely well. Um, you know, going back to my time in college. So, um, what I'll say is this: I booked a hotel with the main uh, picture as a pool and like cabana uh, chairs. That's what I'm most looking forward to. That's where I'm at in my life. I, you know, I, I know we don't get in. I think we don't get in until like what, like two, two o'clock. Yeah. I think the plan is to go to Portillo's, which is like my favorite place ever, and then go back and maybe I'll write by the pool a little bit. How about that? That's what that I'm looking bad, forward to. Ain't a bad plan. That ain't a bad plan at all. I'm, yeah. Hopefully at least what for at least probably if it's even for like an hour, half hour, just maybe go to the ocean just to see it for a little bit, and then bounce yeah, back. No, you got nice. the Jersey Shore, well, but you would get to see the bay, really. But yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, wrong side. I, I know geography. I swear I do. Everybody, I swear I know geography. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know geography. I've just been to Tampa way too many times. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll check out Ebor City that night, but. Uh, guys, thank you for listening to us. Make sure you sign up for Eagles Extra at nj.com slash text. You get two weeks free with the playoffs in full swing and draft mode set to kick in uh, eventually. There's no better time to sign up. Plus, you can subscribe to the No Huddle Show podcast wherever you subscribe to podcasts. We appreciate you guys listening to us. For Chris, I'm Mike. We'll talk to you soon. 